Welcome, everyone, to our Every Other Thursday podcast, where we cover the wide world of food service and hospitality. Our hosts cover both the relevant news of the moment and we invite key industry experts in for conversations that are informative, enlightening, and entertaining. Every Other Thursday is an approximately 40 to 50 minute conversation presented bi weekly by Tabletop Journal. Now, here's your host of Every Other Thursday, Dave Turner. Hey, everybody, and I want to welcome you back to our Every Other Thursday podcast. This is episode number 45 of Every Other Thursday and is being recorded the week of June 9th, 2022. I'm Dave. I'm your host here at Every Other Thursday. And like always, I'm here with my colleagues, Jay and Greg. Gentlemen, how are you guys doing today? Excellent. Fine. Fine. Good morning. Good, Good morning. Good afternoon. Good night. Goodbye. Today, guys, we had planned on sitting with somebody that I've wanted to have on this podcast for quite a while. Uh, The gentleman's name is Jason Crowell, and he runs a lot of the food service business for Nordstrom, the Nordstrom department store chain. He's in the Houston area, but he was supposed to be one of our guests, and at the last minute had to reschedule. But, you know, that happens, and that's not a big deal. We're we're pretty uh, flexible and nimble and and all that. But the reason I wanted to have Jason on here is really for a couple of reasons. Number one, he comes from a great food service and hospitality family background, so I wanted to get his take a little bit on that growing up in the food service business a little bit. But he also, number two reason is he started in the kitchen and now he's out front and he's managing things. He's still behind, uh, you know, he doesn't get always behind the stove, but he can, and he's still running things, but he's more operational guy now overall. And, uh, and I think that moving out of the kitchen perspective into the overall operations, that'll be, that'll be great to, to catch up with Jason about. And then finally, just where he's working, uh, Nordstrom, uh, you usually think of that as a, an upscale department store chain and it is obviously, but they do a lot of food service. And I think the last time I checked, they had well over 100 uh, locations and there are a variety of locations. Some are restaurants, some are just bars, but they're, they're really into food and beverage. And, and I'd like to get his take a little bit on that. Jay, you, when we were in Chicago together, we stopped by uh, the, the men's section, actually, the men's, I guess, clothing area. And they, they've, they've got a full bar set up and had it quite a while there. And it was pretty busy. We, we sampled some nice bourbons, as I recall. Uh, we did. We did. We wanted to check out the glassware there, as I recall. You wanted to do that. So we got a good look at that. But I wanted to see what their take is on food and beverage. Is it is it a loss leader? Is it a, a profit center? Uh, really what the strategy is behind it and get get an operational uh, viewpoint of also how do they manage that? Because they don't obviously uh, they were serving food at that one that we were at and a small thing. So, you know, charcuterie plates and things like that. But there's some food prep there, and it wasn't being done. It was coming from some other location in the store. Yeah, so floor, I want to. It was a floor above us, as I recall. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty interesting. And uh, but anyway, we'll 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 do all that with Jason uh, on a, on another day. Uh, he's a good guy, and he's got a lot going on. So yeah, just before uh, we jump off that subject, it's, it it was. I mean, it was really fun. And uh, a good friend of mine, we had a phenomenal shoe shine. If you can imagine that, it was amazing. It was in the men's footwear department, but then we went over for a little sampling of bourbon, and I don't know what it was, but the feeling I got, and it sounds crazy, you're sitting there, and of course, the bar area was great. They had great service. They were very attentive. They had a great selection, you know, a good selection, because it wasn't an enormous place, but just sitting there, and then all around you is all of this high-end, 
fashion oriented products. And I don't know if that did it, but it, to me, it was just one of the most pleasant cocktails I've had in a long time. I mean, and the company obviously was great, but it, it was like just sitting there. You weren't, you weren't tense about somebody walking in off the street and shooting you or cra- I mean, crazy stuff like that. But I don't know if that environment just made you calm and made you feel good. I mean, the other thing is, is I was Marvel because I never saw a thousand dollar pair of sneakers before. And I got to view one of those. Uh, that yeah. was a little bit strange. But yeah. I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I would go back there again just to go have a drink. Good for Nordstrom's. Yeah, yeah no, it was great. And they're not giving those drinks away either. So no, they, uh, I do think it's a profit center. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, Greg, um, you, have you checked out any of the, uh, you know, what I would call retail food and beverage uh, type uh, programs? I know you're an, you're an explorer, curious guy, and we're going to talk a little bit about some of your latest explorations in a minute. But when it comes to department stores or just general retail uh, establishments, there's, there's a variety of them out there. Well, there is. And, uh you know, it just—it's no—it comes of no surprise around here on the North Shore of Chicago. That whole sector is just getting battered. I mean, you know, malls are shrinking, getting clo- are closing. I was actually working in one two years two years ago, and they had big aspirations, and 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 now most of their anchors have left. So I keep on looking for these places, and I think that you know, uh, what we're saying here is that uh, food service. Is an, is an important part of them staying, you know, for the longevity. It's a, it's it, it, Everything is supposed to be moving to this experiential m- mode for shopping, everything. And what could be more experiential than a bar or meals, a coffee, uh, coffee shop? And so there is that that's going on, but I think that it's, in my area, at least around here, it's just kind of more battered than move it then moving forward i'm looking forward to seeing if any what 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 emerges from this you know when i when i think of again going back to my background and uh and jay you're you're a bit similar in that regard too is that from the supplier side to this industry particularly tabletop and uh, small wares and all that i don't know that there's much thought put into that particular segment i know it's kind of niche and you know there's not you know their units are kind of fragmented i think the dealer component edward don's of the world the trimarks of the world and so on they probably have more that that component on that that on their radar screen but but there's like with nordstrom if you've got a hundred plus units you you're not you're not a small operator anymore you know you can focus on chain restaurants and everything else but you know uh, that's a chain in itself back back to my uh national restaurant uh, association days it, it was i don't know if it is now but it was a it was a challenge for us communicating with an organization like Nordstrom's back uh, years ago because they didn't see themselves as a food service operator, when in fact, they're a restaurant chain. Rightly or wrongly, they didn't see themselves that way, so they didn't approach the business as most restaurateurs would. Yeah, I think it's an it's a, it's a interesting little uh, niche that is, uh, you know, out there and i don't know you know i just think it's uh uh you know everybody's looking at hotels gaming and, and all that but but i don't know you know whether it's a bakery you put in there or a bar or whatever i think jay you're right i think that experiential kind of uh feeling is, is it's a good feeling and my guess is people in that particular nordstrom we're at they get up and they go spend money 
I mean, you got to have a little bit of disposable income to shop there because it's not a, it's not a, yeah. it's not a Target. But you know, yeah. I, the thing that amazed me is I forget what time we were there. I mean, the, it wasn't like you couldn't get a seat at the bar, but there was six or so people sitting there and people coming and going a little bit. And, and I, I didn't think the store was particularly busy, but I think there were a lot of people there that were that were consuming. They were buying stuff. They didn't just go there to walk around and kick tires or just look at look at clothes. I think they were they, they went in there to buy something. And and so you know, I think that that whole retail segment that where you have a department store or uh, perhaps even a uh, I, I don't I don't know any other kind of a store. You might grocery store. A grocery store has been uh, you know they they're doing a lot of restaurant type activities too in in some of these grocery stores that you see now going on. So there's a lot of that going on, and I don't know that we really focus on it as as a supplier uh, or suppliers in general. Do you focus on hotels, gaming? cruise ship business, obviously chain restaurants, but what about uh, operations like that? Yeah. Well, look at, look at Italy and what we were in that Italy store too. That's a phenomenal example of a retail outlet. Yeah. They sell food, they sell wine and pasta, but they also cook and serve all of that in, in, in multiple locations in the, uh, in the operation, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, I, I think it's. I, I think there's a lot of. Uh, it's it's amazing. And Greg, you've made the point many times about food service and how it brings people out and it brings people together and uh, and and it really is a, a big part of that experiential kind of uh, experience in general. But perhaps uh, to the shopping experience too. Sure. I mean, you know what Jay was just saying about how it was a you know such a pleasant experience being in that. Uh, Yep. In in the, that environment. And this goes back to what we were always talking about branding and what is the strategy and, uh, you know, and creating this entire this entire atmosphere. People want to go someplace where they where they feel where they feel comfortable. You know, food yep. itself is and or beverage is one component but it's it's there's a lot more to it but it's very welcoming to have food yeah. and beverage there and 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 jay to that point in that nordstrom's i i, I, I couldn't have been more relaxed uh it, it was just a great nice experience yeah, right. it was right. cool and speaking of nice experiences um so we're going to improvise a little bit today and i want to hear about greg your experience when you went to kansas city last weekend kansas city is a great town and i haven't been there in a long time but i'm sure it's changed a lot but always been uh, known for great food and great people there. So I want to hear a little bit about that and some of the observations and some of the people you ran into. I, I, I did a little adventure uh, to, to see how, you know, life here in the Midwest. So I took Amtrak from Chicago to, uh, to Kansas City on a Thursday and came back on a Sunday. And, um, you know, there's a lot of changes. I, I've been to Kansas City many times, but I haven't been there for a couple of years. And I haven't been there since uh, uh, the COVID outbreak. It just struck me there's there's been a lot of structural changes you know one one uh, for example is uh, there's a part of town called country club plaza it was uh, built in the early 20s as the first regional shopping center built for an built for automobiles wow. and uh, it's a it's a large multi-block area that has the Spanish architecture. And uh, anyways, in, in the past, I've been there over the years, it was very much retail-oriented. Uh, lots, lots of boutique stores, uh, big anchor stores. And now almost all the retail is gone. There is nothing, there's hardly any shopping there at all. And it's been backfilled with food service. So it's become uh, not a shopping district anymore. It's become an entertainment district. Culinary district. village. 
Yeah. So not to say that that's bad. It's just totally, totally different. Well, and, this, yeah. In the, yeah, I, I think those kinds of uh, changes are interesting. And I, I want to hear about Kansas City. And I, I think and, and uh, I also want to hear about your Amtrak experience, because I understand that was kind of the opposite end of hospitality. Well, <laughs> it ain't so, Greggy. Well, I, uh, yeah, let me say right up front that I, I'm a big proponent of uh, public transportation. And I understand all the stuff, the challenges that Amtrak has had over the years about funding and all that kind of thing. And I understand about the, all the issues that all businesses are having about staff and motivation and that type of thing. And the, and the staff there has probably been beaten down quite a bit over the years. But, okay, so having said all that, there were a lot of things that you just accept, like, you know, bad equipment, you know, old beat-up equipment, bad rail, that kind of thing. That's acceptable. But I, in my experience, this is just one trip to Kansas City and back, the attitude among the staff was really, really bad. Well, I want to hear all about it. I want to hear. I want to get into all that. You're right. I'm just trying to be. And I'm trying to be as objective so you're, as possible. You're, predis- you're, you're predisposed to want to like it, but sometimes it's hard. And uh, and we right. talked a little bit off air about about it. And uh, it's not much different sometimes here on the East Coast corridor going from Washington to New York. Um, but before we get into all that. We've got to get some business out of the way, and uh, this week's episode, like every episode so far of Every Other Thursday, is brought to you by Tabletop Journal. Tabletop Journal is where we celebrate the products, the people, and the places all in the world of hospitality tabletop. So now, with all that out of the way, let's get episode number 45 of our Every Other Thursday podcast. Let's get this party started. Okay, welcome back, everybody, to Every Other Thursday. Greg in Kansas City. I love it, Greg, when you travel uh, because I always learn a lot and I travel vicariously with you. I want to, you have such descriptive uh, descriptions, of uh, colorful descriptions of where you go and what you, the people you meet and the food you eat. Tell us a little bit about what you, why you went to Kansas City, why you chose that, and some of the neighborhoods you saw, and just some general observations and, the, and kind of the people you met. Well, the, the the premise of the trip was uh, I have uh, friends, the grown children of, of friends of mine live there. So it was just, and they're moving away. So this was just an opportunity to get over there and um, hang out with some millennials and uh, and see what their perspective of the city is and and uh, have kind of a guide have kind of a guided tour. And and with that, there are neighborhoods that are really, you know, vibrant and in these entertainment districts. And, you know, Kansas City was a big uh, manufacturing center. And just like a lot of places, all that industry has gone away. And now those buildings are being filled with uh, apartments, condos and uh, hospitality, restaurants, hotels. So there's some really of fun neighborhoods and a lot going on, lots to choose from. I, I hesitate to say this because I don't want to be put a pal over, you know, Kansas City in general. But the, I guess the one thing that is that was of concern is crime and violence. And there's a neighborhood in particular where there, where you, my understanding is after nine o'clock to get into the neighborhood, you have to walk through metal detectors. 
Really? And yeah, and earlier in the day, I had been at a. Uh, Do you think that's a good idea or a bad idea? Well, I mean, the thing I guess that I, whether it's good or bad, it's a, it's sad, you know. And who, who and police is that? The police. So yeah, yeah. I mean, it's got to be. Is it a is it a neighborhood that's secured on all perimeters? That, yeah. Well, I guess the entrance the. The entrances, and, and somebody's probably going to call us up and say I'm totally wrong, but several people told me this was the case. Wow. And I, I was at a— um, but see, I, see, I think that but whether, whether you're right or you're wrong, it doesn't matter. That's your impression. Right. And I think, and I think that's, that's a great observation because, you know, Kansas City, to me, always has such a great reputation, and, uh, and, and a lot of people go there for, for right. you know, a weekend. Yeah, and I was going to ask a question. You have, I mean, unless I'm missing it, you haven't heard— much about any crazy, crazy stuff going on in Kansas City. So it's not like everyday Chicago, everyday Baltimore, everyday Philly. So I was in this uh, beverage uh, district neighborhood in North Kansas City, and we were talking to a bartender in a in a in a, in a really cool retail slash bar uh, establishment. And he was in, in. We asked him, "Well, where does he hang out in in Kansas City?" And he said, "Well, he used to hang out in this neighborhood called Westport." Which is what I was, which is what I was referring to, and he says, but you know, as time, and he says, I would be out really late at night there, and all of a sudden you'd hear pop, 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 and everybody hits the floor, and he's laughing that you know somebody was he's shooting, and to me, you know, it's not, it's not, he's laughing. I don't find it funny. Um, not, no, know, not. Yeah, I don't find you know. It's I not exactly. It's not exactly in keeping with the hospitality mentality. You know what right, I mean? Right. Being hospitable when you're right. shooting people. And and you know, and maybe he was exaggerating. And but again, like you said, he's talking it up like that to visitors to the town. That's not a. That's not a good thing. It could save your life, though. Yeah, but having and so having said that, I'm going. I'm going back and forth. It, I just wanted to say that it was a very positive experience. There's a lot of cool things happening with Kansas City, kind of a young city too, isn't it? Uh, demographically, very it, well. It seems it seemed very young everywhere. Everywhere we went, even in the, kind of the established steakhouse places that you'd think would be, you know, an older generation. It was everybody. Everybody seemed uh, uh, trending towards back to, towards the millennial ages. I mean, lots going on. A beautiful place. Just for the record, I'm a big supporter of the place. But uh, it's like a lot of, you know, like everything else, it's got its issues and it's got its issues with, um, and there's lots of challenges for for food service. Now, we're, we're speaking of food service in there. You talked with some operators too there and, and yeah. you tried some foods and stuff. Tell us a little bit about some of that. Well, I'm, I'm curious to see how they're viewing, how operators are viewing everything these well, days. Well, I, I, I talked to the owner of a, of a traditional Chinese restaurant in uh, this this country called Plaza area that I was at. By the way, its name of it is Bowling. It's been there a long time, and it was excellent. The owner's talking about, you know, it's it's a different place than it was three years ago, and this is no surprise to anyone that, uh, you know, you, they don't have the lunch traffic and the business traffic that they once, that they once had. So everything has shifted from the uh, daytime to nighttime now that it's a entertainment district as opposed to a shopping district right. so they have to account they have to accommodate all that and even then not all the foot traffic is back 
as to what it once what it once was, although it is imp- it is improving. Beyond the food and beverage, is there other kinds of entertainment? Is there music uh, venues? Is there you know? I didn't see a whole lot of that. Or if is any, drinking, like yes, it. Drink. in this in that air in that particular area. Yeah. You are, yeah. and the others. There's uh, there's there's music venues, but I, and here's you know. I, I, I really hesitate to sound like the old boomer, you know, and I was only there for a couple of days. But the one thing that, that struck me was one thing we keep on talking about is about how important it is, not just for the food, but also the ambiance and the service. And what I found was a lot of young people, it seemed like they had a difficulty, they had a challenges with being gracious. You just didn't. So you guys talked about being at Nordstrom's and just feeling comfortable in that atmosphere. By the way, Nordstrom yeah. Chicago, great bartenders. There you go. There you go. And in this case, and in my case, you know, you could say that I just, you know, had bad luck, which might have been the case or people, you know. Started on Amtrak. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> yeah, right. I want to get to the Amtrak, save the Amtrak since the end. because that's a great, Whenever I think of Amtrak, I always think of great stories because they are always... Excuse the term, but train wrecks. Right, right, right. Yeah. So, anyways, I mean, one case in particular, and I and I, to be picky is I, I sh- we were taking the train out of town early Sunday morning. We wanted to stop. We found a chain of uh, coffee shops called Messenger, which we w- really liked a lot. They're well known in the area, and they have a, and they're supplied by a, a, a well known bakery called Ibis. So there, I put positive words in for those guys. Showed up at one because at seven they were supposed to open at seven on a Sunday morning, and there were already a crowd of people waiting to get in, and and uh, which is great. And there was there was a, a gentleman inside, you know, cleaning up, tidying up, waiting, you know, getting place ready, which is fine before seven. And then he flips on the light, walks over, opens the door, or just unlocks the door and walks away. And you'd think that if you have an entire crowd getting in, you know, you'd think that somebody would say, hey, good morning. You know, thanks for coming. Sorry to hold you up. Then he walks around to the front of the counter. And I was first in line. And he goes, what do you want? Well, you know, <laughs> but and that's kind of how I mean, would be good, but I don't think you yeah, have it here. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah the, and, and I guess my point is that was kind of the feeling that I got from uh, being there and, you know, uh, the whole weekend. And I'm sure that the comeback will be is that, well, we got new staff and we haven't been able to train them and it's been difficult to get people. But. Well, you'd think that just out of being, you know, Midwesterners, there'd be some sort of graciousness yeah, or hospitality. A, and I just didn't, I just didn't find a whole lot of that. That's you too know? bad because that'll get, I mean, I don't mean to be funny here, but that'll kill, a, kill an operation faster than blowing it up. I mean, you people aren't going, there's enough stress in everybody's life. Exactly. And so like, you know, I wouldn't be in a big hurry to go back to that particular operation. You know? Yeah. 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 No, I think I think it me it, it it matters a heck of a lot, and I would say this that whether you're buying tires for your car, whether you're uh, you know looking for a, a particular service person to come out to your house or whatever, treat people right both ways. Be nice to people, or 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 if you're picking a restaurant, what you want to go back to or whatever, and and, and you know people are going for a lot more than just the food and the beverage. They're going for the enjoyment of an evening or a meal. Or a great cup of coffee, a welcoming right. start to their sure. day. And sure. you, know, you know, you know, it's really exciting about what we're talking about. 
a lot of times when you have an operation that's up and running and you have things that are not quite right, it could, could be particularly hard to find out where it originates from. In this case, it originates only at one place, and that's at the very top of those operations, either the owners or the general managers. And, and, and I remember years and years ago uh, when Terry Lee, a friend of mine who owned Hayden Zugs in, in, right outside of Lancaster, was a, was a Michelin restaurant. It was a great spot, very small restaurant. And I'm not pitching this because he was my friend. But my daughter went, was first in high school. She, she wanted a weekend job, so she went there. Now, this place may have sat 100 people, maybe, on two floors. It was in an old colonial house. So she comes back from her application, and Terry's a friend of mine. So he says, yeah, send her in. Let me talk to her. And he said, I said, well, don't, no favorites. If you don't think she's right for the, to be a server there, then forget about it. She came back, no lie, with a, with a training manual was this thick. For this little tiny restaurant. And, and, and for it, our listeners, that's a two inches thick. Yeah. Well, it wasn't maybe quite two inches thick, but that's, I looked at it and I went, holy mackerel. And it covered all elements of service. It was a, an amazing thing. And and on top of that, I know for a fact that he used to have meetings before every shift to talk about issues and how can we. And when you went in there, I never in all the years that he was open ever had a bad experience. And when that restaurant closed, it was brought tears to my eyes because it it was a lot of things he couldn't control, but it all starts at the top. I mean, you kidding me? I mean, you, I mean, you're going to the Starbucks and my, I mean, spending seven bucks for a coffee and people are not polite and say, thank you. And thanks for coming. We'll hope we see you again soon. I mean, that's, that starts right at the top. So, but Greg, you, you talk about the, the coffee shop wasn't such a great experience. Where did you go in uh, Kansas city where you had the best experience? Well, uh, again, there was a, uh, in this beverage district in North, uh, in, the, in, the, in North Kansas city, there was a, um, a, a, a retail liquor store that specialized just in very unique, hard to find, hard products, beverages. And then they also had a bar in the back. Oh, they had a bar where you could get a drink or a cocktail. Get a drink and they could, and they made, they made them and, you know, using their products and these, you know, why are, why is our unique vermouths different than the mainstream vermouths, that type of thing. And uh, it just so happened that we were there and this, and there was a uh, uh, young guy serving us and he was explaining all the, you know, doing a great job of explaining all the different spirits that they had, why they're different. And, and, you know, do you taste this difference and let us sample some things. And was talking, was talking to us about, you know, the area and Kansas city in general. It was, that was exactly like what we're talking about. There was this, this, this graciousness, this hospitality, fun experience. Well, you, do, you, do you remember the name of the place? I, I, I uh, <laughs> having said all that, I don't, and well, I will. Want to give them a shameless yeah, plug? Yeah, yeah, I will give them a shameless plug here <laughs> Because in a if you ever yeah. get to Kansas City again, you're going to go back there. Yes. No doubt about that. Yeah. Think about the uh, the smile you hear in Greg's voice when he recants that part of his trip versus the what do you want from the coffee shop part of the trip, and and I think that's that says it all. And uh, listen, we we all uh, can choose where we want to go for food and beverage, and um, you know, uh, go to the place that's fun. Go to uh, we've talked about the Nordstrom Bar a bunch of times uh, already in this podcast. The one in uh, on uh, Magnificent Mile uh, on Michigan Avenue in Chicago. The cocktails were great. The bartenders were friendly and competent. Uh, uh, they didn't give the drinks away. It, it was just a nice atmosphere. And it sounds like it was there in that liquor store too. Yeah. Right. Well, the other thing about the Nordstrom thing is, it, it, and it's why they're probably one of the, I mean, they're not the only retail 
building uh, store that operates mainly out of buildings standing. But I mean, the bottom line is they built their reputation on on being kind and aware. I mean, I remember Sandy and I and the kids when they were little, we were down at uh, at this big Tyson's Corner one, and we just parked the car, walked in through the door, and we're coming down an escalator. And we're coming down. We got the kids, and there's a lady standing at the at the bottom of the escalator, and you know this the escalator was pretty big. So by the time we got halfway down, you could see she had a Nordstrom name badge on, and she stood there. And Sandy and will still remember this. And she looked. I never forgot it my whole life. She just stood there and she said, "Hi, welcome to Nordstrom's. Can I point you in any direction? Are you looking for anything special?" And our response to that was, "No, we've never really been the one, so we just want to look around." She said, "Oh, great. There's anything we can do to help you? Just just ask us." And that's that says it all right there. Greg, you've you've come up with the name of this place, so we can give yeah, them a shameless plug. I, I did, I did uh, know the name. It's just that I wanted to make sure that I had it right, and it's it's because it's a little bit uh, different. It's called Mitch Imaro. So Mitch M I T C H E, and then Amaro A M A R O, and so and that that's that's the place. So kudos to Mitch's organization. That's great. That's a great story. And you know what? I mean it. It's really interesting that we're talking about this because I remember a period of time in, in growing up, and I don't remember exactly when it was, but what we're talking about in hospitality is something that needs to be expanded into our whole daily lives around this country. Nobody says thank you anymore. Nobody's smiling anymore. I'll tell you, not long ago. I, I wouldn't I say that. That's not true. People say thank you a lot, I think. Yeah, Okay. I mean, I, I really do. I, I actually think that if you if you look around in your everyday, wherever you go in your everyday thing, you know, I, I find that a lot of people are very, very pleasant. And, and you can have a lot of fun and you smile. And if you smile at people, they smile back. I think there's some there's some cranky people out there, but uh, don't go back to them. And, that, and that's the it. That's your coffee shop guy. Life's too short to hang around with those kind of people. Well, you know, one place type of place that I also hang around and uh, the type of place I also hang around and go to is like uh, a lot of people are, rest- are familiar with Restaurant Depot, which is a large in, yeah. in Chicago. It's a huge warehouse for uh, typically independent restaurants, you know, a lot of independents, small operators, mom and pop places. And I guess the, the, point, the reason I bring that up is because I'm in there and you see these guys flying in there and they're like literally sweating, running, hustling, trying to get their product, trying to get out. And the, and the impression that the impression you get is these guys are under a lot of pressure. You know, they are they are just getting beaten and everything like that. And so it's easy to say, well, you know, I, to understand that they maybe are not being as gracious or as hospitable as they can because they're being, but that kind of thing doesn't cost them anything, and that, and you know, and they, and they should, and they, you know, and 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 it's a, and it's an important thing to think about and to build into your to your brand. Yeah, I think Greg used a good word earlier on uh, uh, grace, graciousness, and 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 I think uh, being thankful. And uh, listen, if you're in the hospitality business, hopefully you're in it for all the right reasons. You're not in it just simply to, to sell food and and make money. You're in it to treat people like they're coming into your home. And 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 I think more and more, there's more of those people, uh, I believe, in our industry than there are the the bad ones. But but the point is, is that if you do treat people like they're coming into your home, you're going to make more money. Yeah, you know? that, that yeah. usually works out, too. It, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 listen, uh, I, I just said it a minute ago. Uh, you know, whether you're buying tires for your car, I have a great experience with doing that. And I go back to that tire uh, place for my car years later because of Dan Drinkard. Okay, and Dan Drinkard was probably 22 years old, and he treated me right and was really did all those things that you said. Thanked me for my business, and I and I've stayed there with. And he's moved on to three other shops. He's managing a regional manager guy now, but it doesn't matter. And uh, and it, whether it's tires for your car or the restaurant you're choosing to, where you're going to spend your money, we all are going to we're all going to probably default to places where we're welcomed and we're thanked for our business. All that being said, I can't wait for segment two when Greg tells us about his wonderful uh, experience <laughs> on the Amtrak train. So we're going to take a break right now and we're going to come back and we're going to talk some Amtrak smack. And then we're going to talk if there's any if anybody has any comments, uh, final comments on the NRA and observations, the NRA show. It's it's a little bit further in our rearview mirror now, a little more perspective. But I'll, we'll be right back uh, with some interesting, uh, interesting stuff in segment two. Be right back. This episode of Every Other Thursday Podcast is brought to you by Tabletop Journal. And for most of us, the greatest memories we have involve great food and great beverage with family and friends. And whether those gatherings happen at home or in a restaurant or a catering situation, Tabletop plays a critical role in creating those memories. For more than 11 years now, Tabletop Journal has been covering tabletop in the food service and hospitality industry, all while raising the awareness of just how important that tabletop is to the overall guest dining experience and the creating of great memories. Be sure to check out Tabletop Journal at tabletopjournal.com. Tabletop Journal, celebrating the products, the people, and the places, all in the world of hospitality tabletop. And now, back to our podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to Every Other Thursday, our podcast that, oddly enough, airs every other Thursday. So we're talking Kansas City. We're talking Greg going to Kansas City, and we've heard some great food service and in, uh, in the hospitality experiences, some mostly good uh, and a couple uh, fringy ones. But the real thing that I want to hear about is that going and coming back on Amtrak. Tell us a little bit about Amtrak and your experience there, Greg. Well, I, there's a lot I can tell you. It was just this. Uh, we're, not gonna, hold on. we're not going to get sued. We're not going to have to have attorneys no. uh, kind of review this <laughs> no, podcast no, no. that way. Okay, good. So, so sensibly, it was supposed to be a seven-hour trip there, seven-hour trip back, and there was a lot of stuff going on. But just to give you a, one example of uh, what's, what was happening, was uh, so the train was supposed to leave at 7.30 in the morning to come back to Chicago, get there. And the bottom line is train doesn't show up for two hours. Okay. so. Okay, I understand. So you were delayed but, two hours. Yeah, I understand all the issues, but what's happening is other trains were coming in, and I was going directly to Chicago, and one of the trains goes to south to St. Louis and then to Chicago. So that's a, that's another Chicago destination, and there's no a PA system at Union Station in Kansas City. There's no boards. There's no easels there's no nothing so nobody everybody it's just pandemonium on sunday morning try people trying to figure out what train to be on they're all asking each other and there's one guy from <laughs> without a microphone from amtrak 
that's apparently doing his best. He's running through these crowds of hundreds of people from one end of Union Station to another, yelling, you know, hey, you know, if, you, if you're going to Chicago on train number four and you see the train coming, then hurry as fast as you can down to the platform. I mean, it was just like, it was, it was like something, it was like a comedy skit. See, I think I think uh, they, they used to have signs there, but I heard that guy took them all down because <laughs> right. he could keep his job. So, hey, okay. So I understand that, you know, about all the challenges that they have, but they have to have some basic communications. And the communications weren't much better in Chicago going there. People, you know, are just literally, you know, panicked worrying about missing the trains because they don't know what to do. So anyways, I'm traveling with a friend of mine. He's getting off two stops earlier. This is a, supposed to be a seven-hour trip than, than Chicago. So we get to the train, and the uh, and the customer service person says, where are you heading? We go to Chicago. We're together. We'd like to sit together. So we get on the train, and then the conductor comes down and says, wait a second. You're going to Chicago. He's getting off in Mendota, which is two stops earlier, and he starts yelling at us. And and I go, well, why? And he goes, well, he's supposed to be in the car up ahead, and you can stay here. So I said, for this seven-hour ra- train ride, we can't sit together? And he goes, no. And I go, well, why not? And he goes, well, because in the Mendota station is shorter, and you have to let we, – we can only let people off of a certain out of a certain car. And I go – well, we have six hours to decide what car to sit in and to, and to make a, and to, and to adjust for that, right? He, he shakes his hand, head. The rules and are the rules, my friend. Yeah, exactly. The rules on Amtrak are the way. And don't bother uh, sounding logical either. Well, and so, anyways, he walks away, and over the next six hours, three other Amtrak employees from the train come back to us and call us troublemakers. <laughs> and I'm explaining to the guy, look, I, I, the last thing I was trying to do was cause trouble, and we weren't trying to get away with anything. I just thought, okay, this is a train. You sit with, you know, you sit with a friend, and we can adjust. But didn't nobody you know, told you that when you got your ticket? Nobody told no. you that. Any? No, there's no assigned seating. They give you a scrap of paper that they write that they write a seat on that they just that they decide. Obviously, they ran out, ran out of the pink scraps because they should have handed out too. Hey, I think uh, you have to be careful. Those conductors, I think, are uh, are, are uh, deputized or whatever you want to call it. They can probably put cuffs on you if you if need be. Not most of the ones I've seen. They weigh four thousand pounds and they're six feet <laughs> uh, four feet two. Uh, well, one and one of the one of the cars uh, the the toilets weren't working, so you can imagine Sweet. you can Sweet. imagine you can imagine that. So we stopped at one station, and the guy goes, the conductor yells out, you know, we're going to be here for 15 minutes. You can go outside, stretch your legs, you can have a smoke break. So everybody's outside. Then everybody gets back on, and the conductor on the, over the PA system starts yelling at people and chastising. They said, you weren't supposed to use the bathrooms in the depot. That slowed us down. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, they could have announced that before people got off the train, but second. You know, well, let, me, just, let me ask you a question. In the spirit of cooperation, you're probably not riding Amtrak again for a while. Well, I probably, you know, it, to me, if, you, if you're in the right frame of mind, it's an adventure. And I, I truly want to support Amtrak and public transportation. So I probably will. In fact, I was thinking about doing it this weekend to visit my son at the University of Illinois. 
I'm not going to for other so reasons. I, I have another. I have a question though on on, on conductor friendly. Conductor friendly. Uh, it was all this graciousness confined to conductor friendly, or was it across the whole team of conductors? The whole, the whole, the whole team was were they were so all they had a team of offer, uh, of conductor friendlies. Well, there's, there's nice. a, you know, there's, there's a. I guess the way that I understand it, or uh, my observation, there's a, you know the chief conductor, then there's customer service people assigned to each 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 car. Nobody was very nobody was very happy. On the other side, on the flip side, I didn't see any passengers that were unruly. I didn't see any kind of you know no rioting or anything. No, there's no problems. No firearms. People were just trying to understand. Well, obviously, 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 the staff that was on your car was the sales prevention services staff. They were mis they were misassigned. Now, was there any any food and beverage consumed on this uh, journey, this sojourn down to uh, Kansas City? Well, you know, like coming out of Kansas City, for example, you know, they make all these announcements that if you have a sleeping car, we're now serving breakfast. Oh, and by the way, if you're not in a sleeping car, no breakfast for no you. No breakfast for you. Four <laughs> right. hours you've been here. Wow. Right. And uh, <laughs> and so it was it was you know it was it was an adventure. But you know, and and look, I don't want to I don't want to give you you know go over the top, but I've traveled all over the world and uh this the experience was equal to being in a um my rail experiences in like a second or third world country. Oh, for sure. You know. And we were just talking while Dave, while Dave, you were taking care of Doggeroo there. That, 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 you know, we've been funding that organization out of our pockets, final, and they, they haven't been profitable in 45, 50 years. Here's an opportunity when people can be riding the train more because of cost savings where they could pull themselves up by their bootstraps and square that organization away. But again, I go back to the same thing with a restaurant or coffee shop. That all starts at the top. But I, but I do think, Greg, you you, you used a word a little uh, a little bit ago about Amtrak, and 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 the word is adventure. I do think that trains can be a great adventure. Oh, sure, but sure. but but you, the last thing you want to do is go on a great adventure, which you're anticipating a great adventure, and be berated for six Bro. and a half or seven hours. I know. Yeah. Yell that, and and you know, and uh, listen, and. I don't know. How are you supposed to know when you go to a train station where where the train, what track it's on, and when it's leaving, and what the rules are? I mean, it's uh, crazy. listen, it's it's, it, it's a part of the hospitality business. If you, if, I was thinking, I kept on thinking because I've done a lot of international travel. If somebody was from another country, maybe English wasn't, you know, they're you know they're, they're very good. I have no idea how these people would have how how they would have gotten on the right train or what you know or what was going if they knew what was going on. I, I think the last time I had an experience where I was truly lost in a train station it was at the host show in Milan. I went to uh, one of the main train stations there and and I asked somebody and they couldn't have been nicer. Oh, Oh, yeah. Uh, hey, you got to go. I'll walk over. I walk down and show you the track. There's the track. You got to get there a little bit early. That kind of thing. And, uh, Amsterdam, same kind of thing. I, I'm sure you just had maybe the wrong group or the wrong train or something, wrong, wrong team on there that maybe they were just having a bad day. Well, similarly, from Chicago to Kansas City, it wasn't to, to that extent, but the same sort of thing. Really bad communication, no signage. But you've been on Amtrak before and had good experiences. Let's 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 well, you know, be fair, right? I, I would say that I've had good experiences, not outstanding experiences. Yeah, you know, not excellent. They could have been better. Next, yeah, yeah, they could they could have been better. And again, for all you people out there that work for Amtrak, you know, God bless you. I I want this to work, but I think you can improve it with some very minor adjustments. 
Yeah. Make the yeah. toilets work. How about that? Yeah. 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 That would be an issue. All right. So much for the Amtrak's uh, saga. And I, I guess I want to uh, try and finish up today's uh, podcast with talking about final thoughts and comments and maybe uh, some observations on the NRA show. Anything that now we're, we're a couple of weeks out, uh, away, out away from it, any different perspectives, any more thoughts on it, anything we've learned since then talking to our uh, industry colleagues or whatever? Well, I think the ge- the general consensus is that uh, it looks like things are moving in the right direction. It was positive. There was a positive. It certainly wasn't uh, a downer. The show was it was it was positive, not to the extent obviously of of years past, but moving in in the right direction. Jay, you talk with a lot of people in our industry. Uh, what are some of the exhibitors uh, saying about their experiences at the show? And did they, they, was it a good show? Was it a bad show? How do they measure well, it? That, yeah, that question that question you're asking for shows for 50 or 100 years has always been answered by one thing. If you had one or two good customers come in, it could have been the worst attended show on the, on the, con, on the, you know, on the planet, but it was a great show for you. That being said, I think that I thought that it was positive. I think the traffic on a couple of the days was maybe a little less than it we used to but i think there were less tire kickers at that show i think people there that were there were serious the one thing i did hear from a colleague was that he thought and he's been going to these shows for just as long as i have that the tabletop side of it was a little bit less focused on than than a lot of people coming in who had responsibility also for say back of the house i mean if, if you can't get your combi oven or your your, your freezers fixed for five six months you got a real issue you can live without some glassware for a couple of days but so they felt that the equipment guys were swamped because of the issues with logistics and stuff. So I, I don't know. I mean, that was what I was told. I don't know if that makes any sense, Greg. Yeah. I think that uh, uh, it was equipment a back of the house, back of the house things are, there's a lot more going on, a lot more uh, sexiness there. And, and, and I think because of staffing and everything else, maybe operators have become more reliant on some of the technologies and so forth to run their businesses. Right? Glassware is glassware. I mean, I hate yeah, to say it. it is. It's a, you know, fork is a fork and uh, I can figure out, I can figure out, a, I, I want to have that. It's a very important part, the ta- tabletop, because I see it, I touch it and it's what, you know, but I still need that back of the house stuff to run my company my uh my people operation. that came to the rack and, and stoltzel booth not because it, 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 it's who are affiliated with or vice versa but they spent a lot of time there which kind of confirmed what my thought was that people when they were in there they were serious did every yeah. one of them buy have no way of knowing that but it was it, it was great from that standpoint the quality of people was was outstanding and the, the all the representatives that visited the booth seemed to be very upscale so like i said the only thing i heard was that Possibly the equipment guys and the you know, the cooking guys, whatever you want to call them. I mean, they, they were busy as one on paper hangers. You know, Greg, you, you made a comment in our last uh, episode uh, talking about it's a cook show now versus a chef show. And I thought that's that's a, that's a very interesting observation. I wonder if you've had a chance to reflect a little bit more on some of the things that you saw in terms of food and, and all that. And maybe that cook versus chef observation well uh, you still feel that way uh because uh, but because i think it's an interesting it's nuanced but at the same time uh, it, it, it's important distinction well and, and for, right off the bat i do want to say that i that's not meant in any disparaging way no it's no just, no, no. Yeah, I didn't mean- yeah and uh, uh you know it's just that you know years back you know they'd be making sauces yeah and that type of thing and now it's you know it's basically how do you in many cases, how do you heat something up that's pre, you know, that arrives in 
or, or you know, ba- needs to be baked off or whatever. And and that's the way that, you know, food service in general is, you know, the large part of it is is is, is and is moving further. But you lament about it or not, but it's just the way it is. And if there is a need for that type of thing, I think the show was, in fact, servicing that that need did you see a lot less food in general of any kind whether it was hot yeah I, I i that was my impression that's what i thought too yeah and and, the, and every year that you know for years and years when i when i used to attend you know going back to the mid 80s you know there there would be like a, a kind of a theme not official theme is just that you know what was the recent tr- what was the recent trend i mean you know the, i remember one year it was like seafood it was everybody and then one year it was like game meats and uh you know and that was kind of in that whole chef era well now you know coming if i so would say if there was a trend it would be like the impossible meat you know type of thing yeah. with, the, with this meat, 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 meat substitutes meat substitutes egg substitutes milk substitutes and even then but so that's the big trend but i guess my point is and even that's the big trend there wasn't a whole lot of that either. Is, is there is there a larger trend that that's a part of the eating healthier, just in general, uh, of food for what you consume being? I see that a lot in waters and stuff like that. They're putting vitamins in water and 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 things that you consume on a regular basis, trying to make the food healthier for us. Do you think that? Sure. Oh, that I, I, I think I think I think that absolutely folds in into into it. But you know, everybody's just trying to find a way. Uh, it, it 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 kind of feels more than in the past, and I I'm totally understand it. It feels a little bit desperate. We, you know, people are just clinging onto something to differentiate themselves. And you know, what what can we possibly make that's new? And this whole thing about you know, and it's and it's about the substitute foods. And then there's this whole debate though about whether in fact they truly are better for you, because if you read the ingredient declarations. It's like, wow, so what is this stuff that's in here? And so, and, uh, and that's a totally different, different, different subject. But the bigger picture is people, yeah, they're, they're throwing out this better, this healthy catchphrases, trying to bring, trying to bring people in and try to differentiate themselves. Yeah, but I, I think th- I think that also extends over to beverages too, because you see a lot of the the low alcohol and no alcohol cocktails going on now too. I mean, that's uh, that that's not an unusual thing to go into a restaurant or a bar now and find a separate menu, even no matter how big or how small it may be, of uh, low and no alcohol products available for people. Well, I, I I find that one thing that was interesting that I saw I saw recently is that uh, you know a lot of the northern Italian wines are actually uh, naturally lower in alcohol it, it has to do with their climate where they raise the grapes it's not as hot not See, as that's much. why that's why i like having you on this podcast greg i always yeah. learn stuff from you right. You're just, and so right? and so and so it's like Who you know you'll, you'll have american wines and growing in hotter environments you know 16 17 yeah. and you, you get these italian wines that you know are down you know t- like closer to 10 mm-hmm. and uh and now all of a sudden there are big labels across the, across the bottle, low alcohol wine. Well, these weren't ever, you know, these weren't produced as low alcohol wines. They've always been low alcohol wines. It's like saying, you, know, you see these bottles of whatever it is, you know, salsa, and it says no gluten. Well, there's never been any gluten, you know. So, you know, people are obviously trying to to latch on to the 
to the, you know, what is the next trend? And right now it's this, this whole thing about uh, health. It's always been important, but it, it's, 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 it's really important now. When you were walking around the show, I didn't get to walk around much, but I just got the feeling that there was very much less wine and liquor being served at that show this year. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, definitely. Dramatically. dramatically. Yeah. Oh, d- yeah, absolutely. Dramatically. So does uh, that mean the bar uh, bar expo, the uh, bar and re- uh, restaurant that show that's out in Vegas and, and those kinds of shows, is are, are they taking over that space or uh, away from uh, the restaurant show? Or maybe the restaurant show wasn't it wasn't able to take as much away from them as yeah. as yeah. The, as they were trying. I mean, those huh? guys, those guys were out there before the restaurant show, really, because I'm the guy that created the uh, alcohol focus at the uh, rest mm-hmm. at the uh, show. And we and we had, and we being myself and my colleagues, and my team actually visited those those shows to get ideas to to quite frankly imitate them, and we we did well. For a while, and uh, it looks like um, that has that has taken a, a well, step backwards. I, it'll be interesting with the. Uh, help me out here a little bit. I don't want to go down this rabbit hole, but but I've got to at least speak about it. When did the new owners take over of the NRA show? What year was it? And how many years did they have it? Before? Is it, is it like five years now or something? Something I think like four, five years. Five years. So they had it a couple of years, and then COVID. Boom. So it'll be interesting to see where the and we spoke about this in the last episode as well. Uh, see where it goes next next time uh, in twenty three. What the NRA show in Chicago is like then. An interesting comment, and I don't know what it has to do with the show in Chicago, but uh, Inner Norga, the show in Hamburg that's done in the spring. The reviews coming out of there were that that's a better show than it's been in a long time, and I know you know other shows have tried to capture some of that business, but. Maybe we'll, we'll see. We'll see what it would. I think. I think it's up in the air what what the NRA show is going to be next year. Do you think it'll continue to be a yearly show? Oh yeah, I think. I think. I think so. Just because of the economic the economics, they make you they make money on it every well, every year. I know year, that, but I mean, year, if, yeah. less, if less yeah. if, if less major people stop attending it, I mean, there were there were some big people that weren't there for a lot of different reasons. Well, taking my my experience with the show out of out of the equation, I, I'm a true believer in tr- in trade shows, especially for yep. the, uh, especially for the food, restaurant, beverage space. You know, I could I could yell all day long that my mustard is better than your mustard. And by the way, I used to be brand manager for Grey Poupon. <laughs> and another uh, shameless and, plug. Yeah, and uh, and but until you taste my mustard versus your mustard. It, it's you, you just don't know. And that's the great thing about having a show like this, you know. And so there should be more mustard people at the at the show. I think we I think we're going to do a whole show sometime on. We're going to send you to every supermarket and just taste mustards because there's like a zillion mustards out there. And I right. and I still buy the same one. Right, right, right. So right. anyway. All right, guys, this has been fascinating. Uh, I love the Amtrak uh, story. That's great. I got a million of them. Yeah, I know. I know you do. But you highly recommend people going to, maybe not on Amtrak, but go visiting Kansas City. Well, I do recommend people trying Amtrak. Just be prepared for the experience. Well, and, yeah, and 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 Kansas City. No, I it was it was it was positive. Glad I went. There's a lot of great things going on there. But like a lot of places in in America, a lot of American cities, there can be a lot of things that are done better and improved. I always love traveling vicariously with you, Greg. I always learn stuff. Thank you. Jake, any last words? 
No, I don't know. He doesn't say he learns much from me ever, so I guess I have to defer to the professor. I'm going to call Greg a professor from now on. That's, <laughs> professor, yeah. I think you have to have a problem. I mean, that's, that's dangerous. That's dangerous. If you look at my name on my caption, I'm the enforcer. It sounds like you're going to use me on that train. <laughs> Gentlemen, it's always a pleasure. Thanks for joining us to all the listeners as well. It's been another great episode of Every Other Thursday. Thank you. Super. Thank you. See you next time. This episode of Every Other Thursday has been brought to you by TabletopJournal.com. For more than nine years, Tabletop Journal has been covering the global food service and hospitality industry, all the while raising the awareness of just how important Tabletop is to the overall guest dining experience. TabletopJournal.com, where we celebrate the products, the people, and the places, all in the world of hospitality tabletop. You can learn more about Every Other Thursday by visiting our website, everyotherthursdaypodcast.com. Thanks for joining us today for this episode of Every Other Thursday.